we are what we eat you are what you eat so when they began to eat the babylonian food then there you go now they were transformed to babylonians but daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief of bishop for permission not to defile himself in this way why hasn't the church asked for permission from the eunuch of the king of this world to ask for permission not to defile herself Hallelujah. Now, the message I want to give today, if you had a title for it, it would be called The Kingly Diet. The message today is entitled The Kingly Diet. And as I begin this message, you are going to realize two situations here. You are going to realize that every time you come into the spiritual landscape when you just usher into you come into there are always two books presented to you <laughs> two books and those books each one of them lists a diet for you a diet that this is good for you you understand and another one, this was, this is good for you. And so the question is, before you eat, can you have a little say at least in the food? You know? <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Can't you even say, okay, okay, and then just allow me to know what's in the menu. Eh? I know I want to eat in this restaurant or whatever it is that you're talking about. In other words also, if there is a place where people are sitting and discussing the shaving of your head, how they are going to shave your head, there is a saying that says, you rather be there also and contribute towards how that head is going to be shaved. <laughs> you see that? If they are going to cook you a meal, you rather be there and get whether you want this really or not. You see that? That's what I'm saying here today. That's where I want to begin from. That if you will be able to have a say, to be aware of what is in and have a say, then you can choose. That's all I'm saying. And so our reference scripture today is going to be based on the book of Daniel chapter 1. As we begin to explore the kingly diet. Daniel chapter 1. And in Daniel chapter 1, I want us to very slowly walk with you through each one of these aspects. And therein you'll see the conversation the Lord is having with the church. At times you may see as if, look, as if he's speaking in parable to the church. And the instruction to the church now. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 1 is our reference scripture. Verse 1 to verse 21. I am reading from NIV. 
when the Lord called me, he presented NIV, but I have all the other versions. In that dream, the hand gave me the NIV. And he says, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Everybody is at this scripture. Again, it says in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. So when he came to Jerusalem, what did he do? Look at what he did. And besieged it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to explain everything very clearly. He's saying that in the third year of that reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and did what? Besieged it. Was that a friendly coming? Was that a coming to say hello? Huh? Which means he attacked Jerusalem and besieged it. And I will explain the significance of each one of them, right? Let's move on. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some articles from the temple of God. Isn't that very mighty to hear? Shocking to hear. The situation was that when Nebuchadnezzar attacked, he besieged. And then the Lord delivered the king of Judah unto him. And not just that, plus some articles from the temple of God. Isn't that so horrific, precious people? He's saying that when Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, means attacked, besieged it, which means surround all the exits and entries and make sure nobody can leave. And then, the next thing I hear is that he entered in there, took the king and took the articles from the temple. That means he conquered it. Step by step. Besiege. Blocking all entries and exits. Meaning, don't let anyone leave that place. Let's say a city. A small town or a village is besieged. By one group. They have gone in there and besieged it. What do they normally do? They just sit there and say, oh, now we have besieged it. Uh-huh. If you check them, what they are doing? If you check them, you will find them spying. Busy checking inside there. What's going on inside there? What is the strength of these people? What is their power? What is their stronghold? What is their life there? How can we enter and quickly bring to an end the job? 
with minimal casualty, without maximum casualty. That's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. That's what his army did. And listen to me, somebody. Sometimes they say we have some embeds in there. They embed, infiltrate. Some people enter there to the gates or whatever, or at night. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did when he besieged Jerusalem. And very soon you are going to see the condition of the church today. Hallelujah. He besieged and he spied. And he took some articles from there. That is a conquest, right? The articles from where? From the temple of Jehovah. You will soon understand what that means. If you realize the nation, the statehood of Israel then, even now, the temple is a state symbol. It is a symbol of the state of Israel. It is a symbol of that nation. It is their power, in other words. Because they were known as the people whose God is Jehovah. Meaning the people who worship the Lord. So you can imagine for yourself, when Nebuchadnezzar was going through his spying, the key things he picked out from there about Israel. Say, if we go there, the only way to dismantle these people is to make sure we touch worship, dismantle it. I'm going to come to that, but I want to read first so you understand the stage of this. And he says, this he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon, Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his God. Small g, his God. That sounds like blasphemy. Sounds like abomination. Did somebody hear me? Because how dare you? How dare you take the sacred, the consecrated vessels for worship of Jehovah? Consecrated, and I'm going to walk you through the process that it took to consecrate them. And then take them into the temple of the idol God and use it for worshiping the other God. <laughs> it talks about the condition of Israel, right? Something had happened to Israel for Israel to reach that law. Huh? Are we together? There must have been something going on in Jerusalem for the Lord to have allowed such a serious abomination to take place. Hallelujah. Amen. And he says, verse 3, I'm reading step by step. The king then ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in 
some of the Israelites from the royal family. If I were you, I meet royal family, I underline. From the royal family and the nobility. Ah! You did not hear what I heard. He's saying, Nebuchadnezzar comes, besieges Jerusalem, spies on it, finds the mainstay, the stronghold, what is their life state, and say, let me go and to disrupt them, demolish that, then I've impaired them, dysfunction, right? And he finds that it is worship. And he decides to go for it. And demolish. But guess what? When he enters the temple door like this and checks, he sees people worshipping. <laughs> they are worshipping and they have arranged the precious articles of worship in a certain way. And they are using those articles for worshipping Jehovah. And in the morning, people went to the temple. In the midday, people went to the temple. In the evening, they went to the temple. Some people after worship were just hanging around the temple courts. He knew that the power of these people comes from this worship. Uh-uh. I know I want you to see the church. I know I'm talking to the church. I'm presenting the image of the church, but first slow down a little bit. I know you can almost begin to understand where we're heading to about the church. Almost begin to see the church. Eh? But just focus on this for now. And then when he reaches there, vandalize, vandalize the articles. The consecrated articles. Ah! Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No. He's saying they realize the treasure in those articles of worship. Such that, that that one, if you catch, don't delay with it down there. <laughs> Take it right away and arrange it. You can imagine. You can look. Because in Babylon, I wonder, there was no anointing oil in Babylon. So they never had the privilege, the, the lavishing of worshipping with anointed and consecrated vessels. And they knew the power thereof. Because they used to hear. You know, before they attack, spies come in, right? Leave there, they eat with you, they go back again. Right? They must have come earlier. Because later, you see, when they were captured in Ramah to fulfill Jeremiah's prophecy, Nebuzaradan, the commander, walks now to check the people who is strong enough to make the journey. And when he was walking like this, like this, like this. Then he meets Jeremiah there. But first of all, he was walking while saying, listen to what he was saying. Huh? You are the people who refuse to listen to the word of the Lord. Eh? You refuse to listen to the prophet. Huh? He was telling them that. Which means they had had spies that had come earlier and had what God was saying was going to happen. <laughs> In fact, the Lord says, I, and I raised my servant Nebuchadnezzar. How can you call him your servant? He's a vandal. Huh? <laughs> a barbarian. But God raises him. God raised him. I raised, and I raised my servant Nebuchadnezzar to attack the temple. Listen to this now. 
He comes, attack, besiege, and check to see if really what the spies told us is the real thing on the ground. <laughs> what do they normally do? Worship all the time. What, at this time, what are they in the temple worshiping? So guess what? He had to attack the state house of Jerusalem, which was the temple of Jehovah. And when he attacked, you enter like this and you see people kneeling down, worshiping the articles, poor, consecrated, you know, doing the worship. And then photographic memory. You understand? Look like this. Like this and say, now I know how it's arranged. Attack them and kill them there. And take the consecrated articles. Ah! Somebody. Does that touch you? Because Jeremiah. Jeremiah had seen earlier on. The smoldering of smoke from the temple that had been attacked. Wow. That's why he was running around saying, hey guys, repent because I see dead bodies in the temple. And when he comes, he attacks the temple and kills people. And then, photographic memory. Look, as I saw them worshipping, so shall I arrange them in Babylon. I want to use them now, these precious consecrated ones, for worshipping my God also. No, you are going to see the object of all this, the objective, in a moment. And then you are going to see the church. The condition of the church of Christ globally you must see today. Now he does this. You have captured the Israelites, they have become slaves. You have headed with them where? To Babylon. The voice of Rachel wailing, the sons no more, gone. Desolation. No worship, right? The inner sanctuary of the temple of God became demolished and silent. But listen to this now. Follow this now. He says, after they arrive in Babylon, you know the way you reach with the loot. The loot. You have arrived with the loot. And you say, wow, how precious my gains today. The loot today. Wow. This is good. I've done it today. You begin to appreciate the gains, the loot, the plunder. Look at this now. Then the king now says, based on what we have achieved now, ah, uh, he calls Ashpinaz. Ashpinaz is like the eunuch at the throne. You know at the throne, there are always eunuchs. Ashpinaz is the eunuch at the throne. And he tells the chief official for all the others. He says, can you now go into the plunder? Go into the Israelites and uh, now you can talk with choice. Huh? And uh, check for me in there and find for me some few good ones who are from the royal family. Ah! Are you beginning to see how this thing is going? It's not starting to go well now, right? It's starting not to go well. Because now, 
Why is he targeting the royal family? And he's saying, those of nobility, you know the ones of nobility, even when they come here now, some of you might stand up or lie down or do something. <laughs> they walk with stature, they walk with dignity and honor. Nobility. They are noble. Did you understand that? I'm trying to get you to get this properly. He says, find for me those of nobility, the royal family, and look at the description that he sets forth. He raises the benchmark. He says, however, if somebody lies to you, you'll use this litmus test, this benchmark, this standard here to really gauge whether they are saying the truth. Listen to this now. He says, you go for me in there and find for me those of nobility, the royal family. But you know the way sometimes refugees can lie, eh? You will be able to know that they are noble based on the following standard. He says, verse 3, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, king of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men. He's saying, don't bring old men. He's saying, Get those from the royal family, those who are noble, and he says, they must be young men. What I'm saying is this. If I will go and find you, being environmentally destructive is the word, eh? when now you become an environmental terrorist, eh? yeah? and you said, I want to bring down this forest, and I find you, with big saw, electric saws, eh? and axes, you are cutting down the big trees. What are you doing? I am trying to kill this forest. I will say, me, I'm going to have a cup of tea. I will answer you back. I say, you have not done nothing. I'll just go and have a meal. I say, he does not know what he's talking about. But if I find you cutting the young trees in that forest, the seedlings, then I will tremble. I say, why is this man destroying the environment? You know, <laughs> because the young are the future. You know, you know, you are going to see the church in a moment. But listen to this now. And he says, the way refugees like to lie, this is how you know they're from the nobility. The royal family. The nobles. Huh? He says, young men, first of all, of nobility. And then he says this about them. Young men without any physical defect. Ah! That the only way you are going to know they are from the royal family, when you check them up, well brought up, they are well fed, well groomed, they grew right, they grew well. None of them is limping. None of them is showing signs of deficiency. Did you understand me here? I hope you can see the church in the process, but I will bring you there. Don't worry about that. Because the purpose is this. That you may see the Lord speaking to the church in parable. To this church, the church of this hour. The purpose is this. 
that you may be able to perceive and appreciate the condition of the church, the fallen condition of the church, and what the devil has done. You know, he does not have two tricks. He has the same, right? If you discover the trick, you shut it down. Eh? Because he's saying, they must be young men without physical defect. That is how you know they're from the noble family. The other thing he says here, handsome, <laughs> showing aptitude in every kind of learning. Do you see the benchmark he set up? The screening mechanism, screening for recruiting, recruitment. I am going to explain to you why he chose this. Huh? No, this is not a joke now. I'm starting to enter territory that is not a joke. Because I'm starting to touch on the nerves of the church. Eh? He's saying, royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude in every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. <laughs> he's saying this that not only did he go besiege attack besiege and he saw the most important implements the things to take and he says he took the consecrated articles of worship and guess what when he took them there must have been look this is the temple this is the altar of sacrifice and there must have been a storehouse where those which are not in use are being kept. When somebody brings a special golden gift unto the Lord. Of a, a beautiful golden article of worship. They put it or they made new ones. Or special ones for Rosh Hashanah. Special ones for Yom Kippur. Whatever. The special for special worship functions. There must have been other extras. In the treasure house of Jehovah. And there must have been those currently in use. And so they took plus the other extra. And he says they went and did the same. They put into the Babylonian temple. <laughs> into the Babylonian temple. And then they now took the extras and put in the treasure rooms of their God also. Hey, They said like it was in Jerusalem we do it here. Did you understand this story here? This is very big here. But now listen to this now. After doing so, it says, now go ahead and bring me some young men. Um, those who are from the royal family, of nobility, no defect, handsome. <laughs> he, he really used a standard. Huh? He raised it actually. That must also be handsome. And he says, showing aptitude in learning. Well informed, qualified. When you look at them, you know, this must have been from the royal family. Why did he target them? Why? Let me explain to you. When you are in the army and you attack, you besiege and attack and take over, the next question becomes, what else? Because this enemy will know 
how virulent the enemy can be. Vicious, ferocious this enemy can be. And that was now Babylon speaking about Israel. They know how powerful Israel was. How mighty they were. But the question was then, what is it that we can do to them that can make sure they never rise again? Did you understand me? Why? Because normally after they leave for some time and so forth, it is going to be those who came from the royal family that always rise up and take authority and say, guys, hey, are you aware that this is not Jerusalem? Are you aware that we are slaves here? How come now you are intermarrying? You are intermarried? You are settled here? You are beginning to enjoy life here? Guys, let us return to Jerusalem! Did you understand why you targeted them? Only those who have inheritance to the throne, to the crown. <laughs> I know you're beginning to see the church, but hold on first. Listen to this now. He says, if there is going to be any hope for these people in this conquest here, that hope is going to be from those who have inheritance to the crown. Okay. Those who have inheritance to the throne. They are the ones who rise up and mobilize and say, guys, revolt and we are leaving now. We are going back to Jerusalem. <laughs> Catch these things. This is powerful. The thing is this. That's why he targeted the young men of noble descent. Those who are inheritors. They have inheritance to the throne. Oh. And he says, if I can catch those from the royal family. <laughs> the devil is so cunning. You see the few things he does to them. When he gets them now, look at what he does to them. He does the following to them. After getting them, again I repeat verse 3. Then the king ordered Aspinaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from number one, royal family. Number two, nobility. Number three, young men. Number four, without defect. Number five, handsome. Number six, aptitude. Number seven, learning. Number eight, quick to understand. Number nine, qualified, well-informed. All those, you can write those, right? You saw the standard. But when he gets them, look at what he does. Huh? Then he says, he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Ah! <laughs> Did you understand now? You're beginning to see the intention of the devil here. I mean, let me first talk Babylon here. That those who would have been the hope, if you will catch them properly, those who could have been the hope of that Israel nation, the nation of Israel in Babylon, if you will catch them well, after catching them, then transform them. Babylonianize them. 
Huh? He's saying, then Babylonianize them. Then transform them to be Babylonians. How do you do that? By teaching them the language and the literature. The language and literature. Somebody was given a Nobel Prize in literature. And another one was supposed to qualify. One of the professors in the U.S. was, In fact, they thought he was the one going to get before they gave the Chinese professor. Nobel Prize for literature. Listen to this now. They say the one of the U.S. From his writings, many nations have been transformed by reading it. Transformed, eh? By reading the literature. Do you understand the meaning of literature? So, and give them literature, Babylonian literature, to read that it will transform them. As they speak the language of Babylon, they can now read the literature of Babylon. And language and literature define the culture of a people. Do you understand how everything was working here? In other words, transform them to Babylonian culture. We want to finish them, finish the Israelites completely now. Oh yes. Nobody shall rise up and try to redeem or, or to, to save, to be a redeemer or a savior. Salvador in Spanish. To rescater, to rescue them. No, nobody. Because you take the hope and then do this. Look, look. Brainwash them. Uh-uh. I've not said it yet. Do this. They are coming from Israel, from Jerusalem, with the culture of Jerusalem. With the language of Jerusalem. With the stature of Jerusalem. As the people of Jerusalem, when they arrive, you must pass them through a process of transformation to do the following. Look, to remove the Jerusalem from them, from their heads. You must. That means to dismantle the values of Jerusalem from their minds, from their heads. And then to infuse, to put in now the Babylonian values. Uh-uh, I have not said it properly. It's like this. Look. To D, 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 E. To deconstruct. To deconstruct Jerusalem from their minds, from their heads. And reconstruct Babylon into them. Are we together? Now listen to this now. Transform them by giving them Babylonian language to speak. Transform them by giving them, guess what? Babylonian literature to read. Because you know, the more they read, transform. Like the one who was supposed to get the Nobel Prize, they say his literature really changed a lot of people from many nations when they read it. Then I understood what literature can do, what the enemy was doing here. He knows how to get to you, right? You understand how the devil wants to do it with the church? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not here to the church. I'm just what he has done with the church. No, 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 no. You, you can pick it bit by bit, eh? Very bit. I, I just want, you know, baby steps. Because I want you to get into the Babylonian mindset. And then when you come to church, oh, now I understand. Kumbe, this thing is bad. Kumbe, it is this bad. 
then look at what he does. The title of our message. But first of all, look at what he does before we get to the title. And he says, verse 5, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that, they were to enter into the king's service. <laughs> Do you see the title of the message? Where are you coming from? The kingly diet. Have you seen the title now? The king's diet. The diet of the king. You understand it now? He's saying, after you've transformed their minds, transformed their culture, now, Look, 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 everybody here. At times you can do demographic studies, population studies. The professors here know, the doctors know this. As I was one time interested in that before the Lord called me. I was interested, why is it that among the Chinese population, so these were two groups I was working with, the Chinese population, there are lower instances of colorectal cancer. I was interested in knowing why is it um, that among the Americans it is prevalent. You see that? And you know where that takes you right away. While we were looking at chemotherapy, now chemo prevention became important. Say, why is it that this, the Chinese, most of them don't have the colorectal cancer? It's less, the incidences were lower. While among the Americans it's the most common. Listen. It boiled down to lifestyle. Then we became interested in chemo prevention. Then what is this that these people do that the others don't do? What do these ones do that make them exposed to this cancer? And what is it that the others do that makes them not exposed? But of course the Chinese had another, you know, upwards, you know, whatever. You see that. But listen to this. In other words, what I'm using that to say is this. We are what we eat. You are what you eat. He said, it is not enough to change their language and literature and they are still eating the food of Jerusalem. They are still Israelites anyway. You must change their diet also. Once you change the diet, then you got them to be Babylonian now. Now, that one is now critical. That one actually the most sensitive right now. I have touched the nerve center, the nexus. I have now just touched the nerve. We are what we eat. You are what you eat. So when they began to eat the Babylonian food, then there you go. Now they were transformed to Babylonians. Did you understand what the devil was trying to do here? Oh, but, but you people, I don't understand why your gospel is light. Huh? Why are you people preaching a very gospel which is very light, not heavy? Shallow. Why? Because you can see already from the devil that when the devil does his things, he does them deep. Very deep. He leaves nothing to chance. 
No, yeah, that is it. That is it because the truth has come out. That actually this is the church the Lord is talking about. But the thing is, now, even you can go preach it. Because he's saying, change them and change the diet most importantly. <laughs> you will now see where the rain started beating us from. Huh? Now listen to this now. You can see the plan he had to make sure slaves for the devil forever. Huh? You see the plans. Because you touch the worship and you finish them. Articles. I'm coming to a place where you'll see the rain beginning to beat the church. You see that? Because they ask, where exactly did the rain start beating us from? Yeah. <laughs> you understand? But now we are going to see. I'm moving on with you. Verse 6, he says, Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Look at this now, what the eunuch did. The chief official gave them new names. Ah, don't, don't, don't go there. He says, if someone was named, the Kenyans lest have been besieged and taken over to captivity, right? And one of them, the name was Shuja. Omkombozi. You must change that name. Because when they see him, they see a savior. So this guy can easily deliver us. Eh? Yeah, because he came from a clan and that family was known for delivering people from slavery. So he has the genes to do it. <laughs> you soon see him mobilizing people, having evening meetings. So you people, what do you see with this life? Are you happy with this thing? Eh? You people, do you agree with this thing? He says, in order to change their identity totally, you must also change name. <laughs> you see the plan the devil had for the church? No, it's very serious. Know that when the devil comes, he does not play. Huh? He left nothing to change. Even name must change now. Another name now. A Babylonian one. I know some of you are saying, where? Now I understand what he did with the church. No wonder the church, the world, same name. No, I don't want to go there yet. You understand? And I said, we are now entering the nerve center. We are entering the place where the rain began to beat the church from, right? Where, and he said, even the names had to be changed. Wow. And when the devil comes, he's very serious. He's very, very serious. He says he comes to destroy and he does not want to take chance. Listen to this now. 
Where did the rain start beating the church from? But I'm not yet, I'm not yet talking about the church. Allow me to talk about Israel first. Yes. Allow me to talk about, talk about Israel first. But in there you will see the church. Look at where the rain started from. And he says, verse 7, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, the name Shadrach, to Mishael, the name Meshach, and to Azariah, the name Abednego. Verse 8 is where the rain began to beat us from. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Do you understand where the rain started beating you from? Daniel, he was in captivity. He had no rights whatsoever, no rights. Huh? Daniel had no rights. In the midst of that, there was food now. And you know how food can bring out the worst in people. Or the best in people, whichever. But whatever case, whichever area you're talking about. You know how food can bring out now the person. People start laughing, they start smiling happy, and they just give a story that shocks you also. You, you understand? You know how food makes people tickle. And then, when that wine, you can imagine, pan-fried pork, pork, the shrimps, the lobsters, the snails which are which are roasted, some are eaten cold. Some of them they put them on what? On ice with chili and salt on it. The eggs which are sunny side up. You eat an egg and you think, Am I eating it raw or it has uh, did this thing touch fire? And Daniel said, No. I will not defile. I refuse to defile myself in this way. Are you understanding me? To the church also. The church has sat. And two many books were presented. And the cunning one already quickly. Oh, you're a new person here. That's very good. If you're a new pastor in this area, uh, this area, let me introduce you to this area. Uh, you know, this area is a very tricky area. You need somebody to show you around. You know, whatever. Now listen to this now. Daniel was operating in captivity. But he says, again I repeat, he uses the word but. Huh? Which means, however, despite all that pressure, huh? but Daniel resolved. Did he hear the word resolve? So he's saying that Daniel first resolved, made a resolution, a resolve. He said, beyond this, I don't go. Resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. <laughs> Listen to this. Daniel resolved and refused not to defile himself 
and look at what he did. He went to Ashpinaz and he told me, can you please give me permission? <laughs> Allow me permission not to defile myself in this way with this royal food. <laughs> that is so powerful because how do you go to ask for such a permission? To go and tell him, please, just give me permission to disobey you. Please allow me permission to disobey you. <laughs> no, no, first of all, you. I'm coming there to disobey you. Hmm? What comes out of there shocks you. Daniel refused. The question is this. Why has the church not refused? Why didn't the church resolve? Why hasn't the church asked for permission from the eunuch of the king of this world? Didn't I tell you where the rain began to beat us from? Daniel said, no. In Jerusalem, we never ate this at all. I will not allow myself to defile myself with this diet in this way. Why then did the church simply subscribe to that diet? And when I came, I came like this to the church. Globally, I came like this. I'm going to tell her. Open the door. <laughs> Terrified. Why? Because I found the church busy eating the kingly diet. And what horrified me is that she appeared to enjoy it. I saw her in Europe eating the same diet. I saw her in Kenya, in Africa. She was eating the same thing. Why didn't the church ask the eunuch from the throne of the king of this world. Because the king of this world also apportioned, did you understand? Apportioned a kingly diet from his table, by the way. He was in charge himself from his table. And he said, send it to her to eat it. Why didn't the church contest that diet? Why didn't the church object to it? Resist it. Did somebody hear me? Refuse. Deny. Refute. Whatever. Why didn't the church? Huh? Somebody talk to me. And Daniel in captivity refused. Rejected. Objected. Denied. Protested. Whatever. And look at what happened. And he says, verse 9, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, listen to this now, I am afraid of my Lord the King, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age, the king would then have my head because of you. Did you hear that? 
Let me explain this. He's saying that when Daniel refused, you know the way you say and they say. You see that? He said back to him. He said, hey, you are going to look worse off than this young man here. Your surrogates, your contemporaries, your age mates. Why do you want to look so worse like that? Because the king has assigned the diet. He will simply cut off my head. He will have my head on a platter, a plate. Because I will have disobeyed. Huh? Huh? That will be the biggest sign of disobedience. And the king will kill me, will hang me. In fact, cut my head. Listen to this now. I hope you see the church. When the king of this world assigned the church a diet, can I give one example of the, of the menu, the entry courts? The entry courts in that, it's called entry court, right? The entry court. One of the entry courts there say, can I give one of the entry courts? He says, no. For your sons and daughters to be normal, they have to date. Yeah, date dating, dating, eh? They have to date. Dating is allowed. You know, there's an age when they have to date. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's normal. Oh, my son these days spends more time with that girl. Oh, yeah, it's normal because that's normal how they grow. That, that means your son is normal. So for him to be normal, they have to date. Do you understand what the king of this world has prescribed? He has built a model. He has built a model, a paradigm based on his system, his menu. That if you will not eat the diet prescribed, you will look worse off than the rest. And Daniel said, ever since my mama gave birth to me, I have never defiled myself with pork like this. <laughs> Babylonian pork. Uh, and there's no, in Israel, it's not, it's not kosher. In Jerusalem, we only eat kosher. The food which is kosher, kosher, K-O-S-H-E-R, kosher, kosher. And that food, that's why all over, wherever the Jews live, whether it's in New York City, whether it's in London, wherever, the chief rabbinate, the chief rabbinate, the rabbinate, the chief rabbi has to certify the food that this is kosher. Which means this is certified, the Jews can eat this. And here you are now. Raised and brought up since his mama gave birth to him. Raised and brought up in Jerusalem on, 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 on Jerusalem diet. Eating well without defect, formed right, walking statured, knowing his bearing towards Jehovah. And now he was told that there is shrimp here. There is pork here for you. Even some snakes are actually not poisonous. We eat them here. Oh yes. Oh yes, snakes. Even dogs are slaughtered and eaten. And cats. Wells and all these things. And the long fishes, very long. A fish is long, you think it's a snake. They say actually that one in Babylon here, that's a delicacy. If I give it to you, I have loved you. In fact, that's expensive. They say, actually, these shoes, 
these shoes with this real snake skin, the real snake skin, the shoes of women, eh? these ones are most expensive. Did you understand this entry caught in the diet, in the menu? And the church did not dare to ask for permission not to define herself. The question is this. Why has the church not refused? Why hasn't the church asked for permission from the eunuch of the king of this world? To ask for permission not to define herself.